Welcome to our Wednesday night weekly shir. Um, although tonight is nittle, and generally we do not learn on nittle, therefore the shir as well will be in a nittle mode. Which would mean, excuse me, which would like to talk about a little bit about the explanation of Nittle itself. It'll be an abbreviated shear. It's the schus, of course, of uh, Eliza Shlavas Brachabas Rachel Hinda, Shavarifur Shalema Kreva. We're going to briefly discuss Zeitz Hanukkah, the final day of Hanukkah, the culmination of Hanukkah. The culmination being that although the first day is Kerel, all the days generalizes all the days of Hanukkah, the eighth day, of course, is now totally taking in Hanukkah. And um, therefore, the lesson of Hanukkah, which is Ner Mitzvah of spreading the light of Hanukkah throughout. is, of course, extremely, extremely important. And a lesson, a life lesson that we need to take for ourselves. Since the concept, as we know, as we spoke about, throughout of the week of Hanukkah is of the Neres Lohair. Rabbi Hirschsprung from Montreal was not a firm believer of this concept of Nittel which we're going to discuss. The story is told that he once came to a, a Masifa, the Chassidim Gur, I believe, the Gerach Chassidim, and it was being discussed, it was on little night, and he was talking about how he learns anyway, because little Torah, etc., etc., and as he left the room, a black dog chased him home. So tell this, so they tell the story. Is a custom many many gener- many different um, kehillis. We don't learn teda on tonight, nittel night, or actually the night before the birth, which, according to the most majority of the Ashkenazi chassidim, took place on December twenty fifth, and therefore the twenty tonight until from set sunset shkia. Until midnight, we do not study any Tera. And many great sages kept to this custom. One of the reasons being that it's a night of danger for the Jews. For many programming took place on this night. And the danger, therefore, the Jews would not venture out of their houses on Little Nacht since they didn't venture out of their houses, and the only way they could study Teda was venturing out of the house, because people didn't have libraries in their homes. People generally had um, the shul, or the Vesakness, the Vesamedrish, they would go to in order to learn, and therefore, not to Chas Vesholem be put in Sakana, they were told to stay home, and therefore, the, thereby the custom 
of not studying Teda that night. Nittel is not a name for their holiday. We don't refer to their Xmas as Nittel. It's a nickname given which is Nittel, the taking away of that the Esai Ishes is referred to on that night or Nittel from Lashem, Nittel of hung that that night he was hung or Nittel from the root of the Roman word Natal which is the which means birth the night that Yimach Shemei was born coming from the Pasuk Yashiv Badr V'yidayim Kinnatal Olov and this is therefore a hint which implies therefore that we do not learn on this evening There are those that say Nittal is spelled Nun Yud Teslam. We don't learn tonight. Stop. No, I, I want to see something. Okay. Which is an acronym for the words Yidin Tarnish Lernin. Jews are not allowed to learn. In the beginning, they found they brought out, they used the name of Nittel. Custom Nittel is not mentioned in Ipsukim because of the Pachat of Malchus. They were scared of the um, ruling powers, and therefore the Romans, or whoever they may have been, so therefore the way documented this per se, but this is a most definitely. A Jewish custom, and therefore, being a custom, we don't abolish a custom. Mini Yisrael Teda he, and therefore, it's customary not to study Teda on this night. There are those that have the custom, as we said, the 25th of December, the eve of the 25th of December, and are those that hold the custom the eve of January 7th, mm-hmm. January 6th at night. Those are going to Tkufus Tevis, etc. The Mice of the, the general um, congregations of Ashkenazim keep the 25th of December, and the people of Poland and Russia and Galicia keep the 7th of January, the 6th, the night of the 6th. Since those keep a custom according to the Jew, the non-Jew, the Christian celebration, therefore it goes according to the Christian celebration, which is the 25th of December, and therefore tonight is not allowed to study actual Torah. It's a minig, and the minig therefore, minig Yisrael is tehdehi. I'm discussing just basically the concept of why we don't study Teda. And why can we daven? If we can't study Torah, why should we be allowed to daven? We're saying we're not studying Torah because we don't want to give any kind of strength 
to the spirituality of this person that was born in this evening. And therefore, we don't study Teda. I, if there's nobody studying Teda, Kassel, the world will fall, will fall apart. So we have a simple answer to that is that there's different time zones. Well, we're not studying Teda. Well, Israel didn't study Teda. They're studying Teda already now. So we're not studying Teda, but in Israel's already after midnight, so they're allowed to study Teda. Etc., etc., etc. You go keep traveling around the world, and there is always people learning Teda, Baruch Hashem. But studying of Teda gives a certain amount of a Kedusha which is different than the Kedusha that we give out by Tefillah. Tefillah, generally prayers are Tachanunim, that we connect to God, we pray to God, we ask God to give or to help the supplement things from God. We are beseeching God for certain things on our behalf. Whereas Limuetha Teda, every word that we study of Teda, it says that when they greet people in, Gan- in Gehenim, in Ganeidim, I'm sorry, they say, oh, how wonderful it is for the person that brings Talmud in his hands. Anything that a person studies in this world, they amass and it comes with them into the world to come. And so too, it elevates every element of the entire world. And therefore, the study of Teda is, is not allowed on this night, so that not to give strength, not to give kechis to this element, to the element of Klippa that was born in this night. And therefore, we're going to have an abbreviated share, as I said before, but I'm going to tell two stories. When I asked it of today, if I can simply, because the shears every Wednesday night, I didn't want to change it, I didn't want to chashom abolish it. Um, he says, but nittle is longer than your shears. It's been going on for longer. So I said, I understand. Can I only tell stories? He says, you can tell stories. He says, your problem with telling stories is you'll become a famous storyteller. And then people will say, don't go back to the old format. Stay with the format of stories and just tell the stories for an hour. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear the shit anymore. <coughs> it's a chance I have to take. A woman was driving a car in New York, and she got pulled over. They are able to, you know, it happens. One of the Santa people, they get pulled over for whatever she was doing wrong or right. And the policeman pulls her over and asks for a license registration, and she starts rummaging through her purse. And um, I don't know if you've seen basically what women carry in those bags. <laughs> Anywhere between the chocolate and the uh, popcorn and the uh, tomorrow afternoon snack and yesterday's lunch. As she was pulling out papers, she pulled out a picture of the Rebbe. She was a Babacha Chassid. She pulled out a picture of the Rebbe and she put it on the side. And the cop says, Excuse me, are you a follower of this person? And she says, yes. Um, okay. Put your stuff away, go. I'm not going to give you a ticket. She says, what does that mean? The follow of his, I'm not going to give a ticket. She says, okay, thank you. Um, but since I have time now, because I'm not getting a ticket, maybe you tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> So she said, he said, I'll tell you. He said, I tell everybody the story. I very rarely tell it to Jews. For many years, 
the Rebbe would go to the ale, there was always a police escort. Is I happened to be the guy that they used to send. I was in highway patrol. So they used to send me to escort the Rebbe to the ale. And I used to stick around there for the few hours until the Rebbe was finished. And we used to escort him back. Because they couldn't call us and say the Rebbe is almost ready because we never knew when the Rebbe would be ready. So my patrol, I had to stay there. Staying there, I used to hang out with the people, with the guys that used to escort the Rebbe. They used to take things in for the Rebbe. It was very intriguing. And they would discuss with me, and I'd ask them what's going on here, actually, because the Rebbe would sit there until nightfall and everything, and usually cemeteries are not places that people visit at night. And they explained to me all the spirituality that was going on, the Rebbe in the hill, the previous Rebbe, and the, the blessings in people to see. And I asked what's the package that I used to carry. And they used to tell, they explained to me these are letters, beseechments that other people used to come and ask the Rebbe for blessings and everything. That's what he blessed me to. I'm not Jewish. So they said very simply, you know, the Rebbe is the world's Rebbe. Doesn't say no to anybody, I guess. Okay. So, um, they said, how do I get him to bless me? So I said, listen, next time we come to the hill, be by the Rebbe's door when he gets out of the car, before he goes into the hill, and ask him what you need for a blessing. So I did. I stood by the Rebbe's door. As soon as it pulled up, I jumped out of the car. I stood by the Rebbe's door. And I asked the Rebbe, do you only bless Jews or do you bless non-Jews also? He says, I bless anyone that needs a blessing, that would ask me for a blessing, I'll bless. I'll pray for So he said that my wife and I have not had children when married for nine years. And we just got recently the report, after all the testing and everything that we went through, thousands of dollars of money, of, of treatments, and they told us it's not possible for us to have children. I'm asking for a blessing for a child. So the Rebbe said, write down on a paper your name and your father's name, and your wife's name and her father's name. And I'll take it in for you. And I did it, I was shaking like a leaf, but I did exactly what the Rebbe said. And a few weeks later, my wife became pregnant. And ter- after the term, she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. The doctors saw this and said, this is not humanly possible, and he said, this is a blessing from the Rebbe. Very amazing story. He says, wait, it's not over. You know what I call the baby? I call him Mendel. <laughs> so, my wife was a little skeptical. And after all, then the family heard what we were going doing and they all went ballistic on me. How can you do this to the kid? Call him Mendel. Everybody's going to think he's Jewish. He's going to suffer in school for no end. They're going to torture him. They're going to beat him. And he said, you know what? That's why I'm doing it. I want this child to grow up and to know that anything they're saying about Jews is not true. Jews are kind and compassionate and caring and helpful and the blessing that a Jew, a rabbi named Mendel gave is the reason that he was born. And if he has to get beaten up to find that out, let it be, so be it. 
but let him give the message, let him always relay that message throughout his life, that he's Mendel, named after the rabbi, they give a blessing against every medical opinion. And because of that, he was actually born. Another story, a friend of mine, Maxi Cohen from Manchester, had many different business dealings throughout the world. He was in textiles. Still is, I think. And um, he was doing dealings in Bangladesh. Bangladesh, if you don't know where it is, you don't want to know, believe me. And he gets a phone call, and they say, Mr. Cohen, we've prepared for you the most fantastic stuff that you could think of. A phenomenal array, it, it, and it's a tremendous deal. You're going to push it, get... You're going to be set for life with this deal. He said, listen, I'll be honest with you, the last time I came there, there were riots on the streets, I barely got out of there with my life, and we didn't even finish the deal. I'm scared to come to your country. And there was another time that there was cyclones and there was typhoons and there was there's always you know, there's always storms and and, and yeah, scary country. No, it's all quiet now, people are at peace, people are at rest, and the weather should be good now, everything is going to be fine now. Please, please, please come. So you know what? Okay, technically I'll come next Sunday. In the interim, he wrote a letter to the Rebbe, asking the Rebbe, should he go or should he not go? Well, needless to say, he booked his ticket, but he called every day to 770, and the Rebbe did not sent out an answer. And the anxiety was building. He kept sending people and asking, and there was no answer. On Matzah Shabbos, Saturday night before he had to travel, he called the secretary's house. And he said, please, do me a favor. I've got to travel tomorrow, and I'm scared stiff, but I'm going to give me a bracha, I'm not going. <coughs> the Rebbe was giving out dollars every Sunday. So they told him, listen, the Rebbe hasn't given me an answer yet. Tomorrow is Sunday, there's dollars. They don't know what to tell you. Anyway, Max picks up and goes to the airport. And he checks in. And he's waiting. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And he's making the entire time. He's calling, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling. He can't get through. His brother-in-law, David Jaffe, had an idea. He ran to 770. He got online for dollars. And he said, okay, I'm going to find out. I'm going to ask. And he came before the Rebbe, and he said, my brother-in-law, Maxi Cohen, wants to know whether or not he should go to Bangladesh or not. The Rebbe said, Isn't it, is it safe to go there? Isn't there always things going on there? So I explained, David Jaffe I explained to the Rebbe that things are calmer now and everything, isn't it? And the weather should be good and everything. So the Rebbe said, okay. 
Here's a dollar for his journey. And uh, she have a safe journey. Then they never called back David. He gave him another dollar. And I said, he should give this dollar to my friend in Bangladesh that deals with the Bavich activities. <laughs> no. Maxi already pulled his suitcases out of the plane. So I'm not going. They're not going to answer me. He called his father-in-law to Manchester. He was in London. He called his father-in-law to Manchester. Not going to make it back tonight to Manchester. I'm going to stay in London for the night. I'll be back tomorrow. He says, um, hold on one moment. I'm getting a call. And he checks the other line. It's David. And David says, I got to get hold of Maxi. I have an answer for him. He says, hold on, and he conferenced the two of them together. And he said, okay, we'll listen to this together. So David told exactly what happened by the Rebbe. And he told him, he reached the Rebbe at 5 o'clock, which is already in London, 10 o'clock. I told the situation. And the Rebbe said, um, it's tumultuous there. I said, no, it was calmer. I explained to the Rebbe everything's calmer. The Rebbe gave me a dollar, a blessing for a successful journey. As I went to leave, the Rebbe gave me another dollar and said, this is for the Shliach in Bangladesh. I stood shocked. There's no Jews in Bangladesh. And Chabad Shliach there? So the Jew in that country who's involved with Lubavitch, the Rebbe said. says, Maxi, tell me which hotel you're in. I'm going to send this two dollars to you. No, Maxi ran with the suitcases and he got back on the plane. The whole trip, the whole thing was, was, was a blur. But what was really, really pounding in his head is, who is the Shliach? Huh? Welcome. Who is the Shliach in Bangladesh who does Lubavitch activity? He's been to Bangladesh many times, never saw anybody. And how is he going to find this guy in 114 million people? He came to a city called Chittagong in eastern Bangladesh. And Mr. Cohn checked into his hotel and he said, okay, i got to go find this guy. For two days he searched this guy. Ngurisht. When he came into his hotel, he was really frustrated and tired. And he noticed a man running to the elevator before the doors closed. There was something on this guy's face. That, 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 and a thought flashed and he stepped forward towards the elevator. Excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? And the man turned and stared at Mr. Cohn. The doors closed to the elevator and the man said, Yes. Minutes later, they were in conversation. Mr. Cohn's hotel room. They went upstairs. Two Jews, two world of businesses, personal concerns, interesting experiences came together. A whole meeting in Bangladesh. Was this Ashkaha Pratis? But as they talked, Mr. Cohn realized this is the guy I'm looking for. <coughs> he says, The Rebbe asked me 
to give you a dollar. To deliver a dollar to the guy who's involved in Lubavitch activity in Bangladesh. <laughs> the man said his name was Walter. He came from North Carolina. He was so touched. He said, of course I know the Rebbe. And from time to time I do Lubavitch activities, he said. I suppose that's why the Rebbe is so concerned. And Walter told his story as follows. Says my export-import business takes me many places throughout the world, and many of my most of my recent years were in Bangladesh. But Rosh Hashanah, Pesach, and Rosh Hashanah in Kippur, I'm always home back in North Carolina. Before I came to Bangladesh, I was very active in the North Carolina Jewish in Charlotte, North Carolina Jewish community. There's a lot of Jews there. But many of them unfortunately don't observe and their intermarriages are on the rise. The youth were lacking direction. So when we found out in 1980 that Rabbi Yesuf Yitzchak and Mayasha Grona were coming to, North, to Charlotte, North Carolina, I got very, very busy getting them acclimated, getting them into the community, getting a steady relationship with them. And as I did my travels, I was always in touch with Rabbi Groner. Over the years, I met a few Jewish families here in Bangladesh. On business. But their children had no Yiddishkeit. So Rabbi Groner helped me out, and he gave me a whole program what to teach these children, how the children should learn. This is obviously before internet. And about three years ago, Rabbi Grona did a favor without telling me. And as he wrote his divuach to the Rebbe, his din v'chezrin, on a monthly basis, the shliach wrote to the Rebbe, everything, all his activities, he also wrote what goes on in Bangladesh with me. Don't ask me too many questions what I'm doing here. Because I have no rational reason except that Rebbe saw fit to encourage me, a distant Jew who he heard about three years ago. Because the truth is, the families that I'm talking about live in Dhaka, the capital. And that's where all my businesses are. I never traveled anywhere else in the country. This Monday morning I had an urge to see some of the tourist attractions in the area. And that's how I ended up in Chittagong. I'm going tomorrow morning back to Dhaka. Dhaka, however you pronounce it. And so therefore, I happen to be here in Chittagong, which is not where I am stationed at all. But the Rebbe knew where I would be, and the Rebbe sent me a dollar as a pre- for appreciation for all that I do here. Now, as I said before, the shear tonight was only because we can't not have a shear. But we couldn't have a shear because we can't learn Tera tonight. And therefore, we discussed only the concepts of Zeitz Hanukkah, two stories, which is what I got permission to do, 
Of course, this Shabbos, as we know, is Hey Tevis. Hey Tevis is a tremendous, tremendous yamtiv, which is similar probably to Yutas Kislev, Rosh Hashanah Chsudis. Hey Tevis is the day that the Svarim returned to the Rebbe, returned to the library, Akapanam. The all the books that were stolen from the library of the Agudus Ksidi Chabad months before or years were ultimately returned, finally returned, caseloads of Swaram were returned. And therefore to the Rebbe this is a tremendous, tremendous holiday holiday. The Rebbe cited the Gemara of the town that had a problem with certain elements from the other side of, of Kedusha and they used to outside on the outskirts of the town there was a river and these elements would be on top of the waters I'm not going to discuss it at length because we're not discussing Gemaras tonight but ultimately there was a battle, a spiritual battle and when the spot of blood was found on the water, the battle cry that they went to fight it was the words, Didan Notzach. We have merited to victory. And so therefore, Hey Tevis was labeled as Didan Notzach, a day that we have, vi- we have victored, and the Yad Chsidim Yena, and where we found the testimony of the Rebetzin, saying that the Rebbe belongs to the Chassidim, and therefore we live and survive on the Kechas of the Rebbe. And even today, so many, many years since we've seen the Rebbe physically, we still thrive and strive on the Rebbe's words, and we look forward to Miat Hashem. On this Heitev is celebrating once again, with the Rebbe together, Beguf Gashmi, Vuhu Yigaleno, and as I said, this is not an official shear, but it's a Wednesday night, and therefore we are here together. And may we all be together, and hopefully we all enjoyed our Hanukkah. And as Hanukkah culminates tonight, the Rebbe Fabrengd actually on Matzazay's Hanukkah, and the Rebbe asked that the Menorah stay lit on the table for this Fabrengd as well. And many, many, many Hasidim have tonight a big, big gathering with their Menorahs to lit. So anyone that didn't send Hanukkah Yelp to anybody can still send it. It's always accepted. <laughs> and if you didn't get mine yet, it's, it's a fault. You weren't here to get it. I don't send it. Um, but we should get the real Hanukkah Yelp. God should give us our Hanukkah Yelp that we all deserve, which is the Hanukkah Yelp of the gift of Mashiach Tzidkenu. And we should all spend this Shabbos in Yerushalayim and Shabbat Shalom to all.